Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I am one of the pastors here at Compass Point, and with me today is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. How's it going? It's going well. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. Doing good. Good, good. Enjoying this weird, warm winter weather. Um, but we're not here to talk about weather. We are here to talk about Hosea. We yeah. started a new series on Sunday, uh, and we are spending three weeks, pretty short, but in this in this weird little Old Testament book, right? Yeah. In this book full of uh, stories that we question whether or not we should tell our kids. Uh, and we honestly, sometimes I'm not sure what to do with them. So yeah. b- before we get into the content, Paul, tell me why Hosea? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things I would say is, first of all, I think we need to continue to dig into our Bibles in all the corners, in all the different places, because the Bible is full of all kinds of uh, great, great stuff that helps us understand. With I, I mentioned three things. It helps us understand who God is. It helps us understand who we are in light of who God is. And it gives us... Um, uh, a, a, you know, a path in terms of, you know, how we can live our lives as a result of all of this. And so those things, you know, combined, I think are really important, but primarily important is what do we understand about God or how do we get to know him? Mm-hmm. And I think for most of us, we pick and choose our way through the Bible, looking for places that feel comfortable to us because we like the idea of creating a God in our own image, you know, like that, that has the edges that we want and the, you know, the, like, and so we kind of, I I know that sounds kind of dramatic. I'm not trying to, you know, go, but I do think there is something to be said for the fact that, um, what we avoid often are the things that, um, that perhaps might highlight a different aspect of God's character that maybe make us uncomfortable. Hmm. And so we, I think it's really important for us to dig into all of scripture to, uh, understand uh, a better picture of who God is. And the reason I think it's important for us to do this right now, um, is because we're going through this, we've been talking about Sabbath. We've been talking about spiritual practices. And for those of you who don't know, we actually divide our, our, whole preaching calendar for the year into three main sections that that correspond with the three sections of our strategy right now. Uh, talk about embodying uh, Jesus everywhere, embracing something called the rule of life, and uh, encountering God um, together. Mm-hmm. So those three things uh, sort of form a bit of a, a framework for us. So right now, we're at the time of year where we're studying uh, what it looks like to embrace a rule of life. Mm. And in that context, I think it's really important for us to recognize our motivation for engaging in spiritual practices. Right. Um, I used the quote on Sunday, I think, uh, that, that spiritual practices, I think it was Ruth Haley Barton that said that spiritual practices are um, a way of sort of preparing ourselves or yielding um, to God uh, and, and submitting, like practicing the act of submission to God. Right. And, and so... I think for a lot of us, we look at these spiritual practices and we sort of separate them out from the Bible and we say, oh, well, these are things that are going to make me feel better or they're things that, you know, will be good for me because it'll make me, you know, healthier or more rested. But the point of all of these spiritual practices is to make room to welcome and respond to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's to make room to get to know who God is. And as we do that, we begin to find those other places of joy and peace and all that stuff comes into our lives. So the point here is, if you're following me, I know this has been a long-winded answer, but the point here is that um, is that our motivation needs to be getting to know who God is. And I think sometimes the reason that we are reluctant to engage in these spiritual practices is because we're not sure we can trust God. Right. We're not sure 
of our picture that we've created of who God is. We're sort of like, yeah, I, I I'm not ready for that. And so we back off. And what I was trying to do is we go through a book like Hosea is sharpen our understanding of who God is. And, and our response to that would be to engage in these practices that draw us closer to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but, but yeah, that's, that's sort of why we're moving into Hosea right now. And I think that's, that's really, really helpful to hear, uh, and, and a really good thing to do. Um, it can be hard to know what to do with, with Isaiah, uh, Hosea, uh, because it's so full of imagery that's, it's so visceral and it's so personal and relational. Yeah. And it like, it feels like, okay, like I expect God to be love, yeah. but like, we're talking about a prostitute. We're talking yeah. about uh, marital infidelity. We're talking about stuff that, uh, like, can I say feels, feels more human than divine. Right. And yet God like, and it, it doesn't just feel human. It feels like kind of some of the worst and most intimate of the human experience. Yeah. Um, certainly that, I, that I can imagine. And, and God is using this as this like analogy and this thing to point us to how much he loves us. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of get why some people are a little bit uncomfortable with it. Sure. Um, wh- what do we do? Like, is this just an analogy? Does it, how does it tie into real lived experiences that people have had? So like, I, I have never yeah. experienced this kind of stuff, but I know plenty of people have. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, and, and it probably makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable, a little squeamish in the seat as you're, as you're digging into the story. Like, what would you say to those people? It's a good question. And, and I think what I would start with is that, is that the book of Hosea is not instructive in the sense that what we see Hosea did do it is not what we're called to do. Um, it's a picture of God's love for us. It's the fact that he continues to pursue us. It's not, it's not a suggestion by any means that, that if you are in a situation like that, in order for you to be, to demonstrate God's love, you need to take that person back or go find them or, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's not the point here. Okay. But what I would say is that, is that people in those situations can feel deeply how much this really, really costs, you know, when it comes to God's love for us and, and what we are unable to do, God does willingly in terms of the way he loves us. And and that I think is so powerful. And and I cannot even begin to understand what it might feel like to be in a situation where you've experienced that kind of uh betrayal. But what I would say is that is that in that moment you can feel the love of God that that goes beyond even that betrayal, which is incredible. So I, I think there's, there's a, a certain amount of comfort for people who've been in that situation. Um, and I also feel that in some ways you may understand this even better than others could. Hmm. Yeah. That's uh, so, so talk to me a little bit more uh, about um, like, how, how should this be impacting our practices, right? We're, we're talking about practices, but, but we kind of didn't dig in directly this Sunday. Um, yeah. Is it just this like sense of awe and worship and a bigger expanded view of God that we get from this book? Well, yeah. And, but I also think that God is more like, I don't know if heard it said probably somewhere, I'm not sure exactly where, but, um, where God is more friend than formula. Hmm. And so I think sometimes, you know, we, we might, we may want to treat God like something like you, you say the right things, you push the right buttons and the right results come out. Right. 
but the reason it's so complicated, the reason we have so many questions about, you know, like prayer, unanswered prayer, um, the will of God, you know, can God change his mind? Mm. Um, the love of God, all of these questions that we have, anger, jealousy, what does righteous anger look like? All this kind of stuff. All of that difficulty can actually, in my mind, be boiled down to the fact that God seeks a relationship with us. It's not a formula to be figured out. It's a relationship. And in relationships, we recognize that things are complicated. Yeah. And and so there's all kinds of things at play in the midst of all of that. But I think, I think that helps us when we engage in practices to recognize that my primary goal is not to get something out of this practice. Mm-hmm. My primary goal is to enter this practice so that I can get to know the God who can transform me. Like mm-hmm. that's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really... Really helpful. And as you're saying that, um, it reminds me of the song we sang after the the message on Sunday, Reckless Love. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that song has been the source of much debate in in church circles and Christian circles in the last 10 years or whenever, how long ago it was written, um, because the the question rises, well, is is God in fact reckless? Can God be reckless? And from a kind of a systematic theology, um, like philosophical level, I think the answer is no. Um, from a relational level, mm-hmm. I think the answer is yes. As in like, uh. I, I think reckless is a word we use not out of um, kind of accuracy, but yeah. it's out of a feeling and like a, a recognition that this is so far beyond me. Um, right. And I actually think using uh, relational and poetic language is really important. That's why the Bible is so full of it. And I think Hosea is this great example of, mm-hmm. of how God, you know, if God wanted to lay out, like, here's who I am, here's what I do. Um, mm-hmm. here's what you need to do, right? Like we would just have lists of rules, even kind of harder to get through them. We, we have in Leviticus and numbers. Yeah. Um, and how many people enjoy just sitting down and reading Leviticus and numbers, right? Yeah. Like part of, Part of what is so inviting and so good about God is that he invites us in with, with these stories and these analogies and this, this poetry that yeah. isn't terribly straightforward sometimes, yeah. um, but yeah. does meet us kind of at the depth of our human experience. And God says, I am, I'm there. And in fact, I, like, I've gone farther. Yeah. Um, Was there ever a time that you um, didn't want to sing that song? Like, did you ever kind of like go through the, the sort of like trying to understand why you wanted to put it into the roster of the songs we sing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, hmm, I, I worried about people misinterpreting the song and I think that's a fair concern. Cause I think it's a song that is easy. Like if you tend to think more, uh, I don't want to like, I don't want to pit these things against each other. Cause I think it's re- it's really good to have a firm sense of who God is and like a systematic theology developed that, that says like, God is, God is love. God is unchanging. God is perfect. Like, I think that's good and important. Um, but I think when we do that to the point where we, we exclude other language mm-hmm. that, that even pushes up against that. And then I think the Bible presents God like that. Um, we, we miss some really good things. So I, I did debate long and hard the right way to yeah. introduce that. And, um, I recognize that for some people they're right there. And in fact, they may actually need a little more, um, kind of the systematic, yeah. here's what happened. And and there's a reason on Sunday actually that I paired reckless love with in Christ alone. Right. Um, cause those, are, those songs are, they're both great songs. They both invite us into worship. One does it through a lot of repetition and some pretty 
uh, bold language. Yeah. And one does it through a kind of laid out story right. of, of what Christ did and some of the big theological language of what that means for yeah. us, which is beautiful, but they're kind of different sides of that. Um, and I think very helpful balances to each other. Yeah. And I thought they were great. And it was a good, it was a great way to finish the the service for sure. I, I think for me, you know, one of the things that I've like, oftentimes when I'm preaching a message, there's something that comes out of it that, that grabs my attention mm-hmm. and it just kind of really starts rolling around in my head for a long time. Yeah. And I think, and I, I, we sort of alluded to this, we've kind of been talking around it a little bit when it comes to relationship. And I actually think what you just said there about you know, the, that the language of that song might speak more to the relationship side than the kind of the systematic sort of um, formulaic side, which yeah. I think is is interesting. Um, but I but I also think that, you know, for me, the thing that came out of this was I recognize that if God was not relational, then all we would need to know is what was expected of us. Right. And if we did more good things than bad, then that should be okay. If God's not relationship relational, right. but he is, right? He's not just ruler and king over our lives where he kind of wants us to obey him. The He does want us to obey him, but it comes from a place of love and a place of relationship. And when we miss the mark, when we sin, that's actually an affront to God. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a betrayal of, of our trust, right? And so I, it starts to make me understand even more the goodness of the gospel yeah. because the gospel message is that, is that, you know, that this is not, it's not about a ledger sheet where we have more good than bad. Mm-hmm. It's about a God who reaches out to us, you know, and caught, and it will cost him to bring us into relationship with him, but he's willing to go through that cost because of his love for us. And so the, it just it just really changed the way I looked at at sin and um and you know those places where we miss the mark. Yeah, so, so let me ask you like this. I I know from behind the scenes that this there was a lot of kind of debate about this sermon and a lot of a lot of challenges. Um, just in like I think these things are hard to speak well and hard to because there's so many layers and and I think they do hit it hit it relationship and and our hearts and the core of who we are. Um, yeah. So, so coming, coming out of Sunday, um, why are you excited to keep going in this book? What, what else do you think this book has for us? Oh man. So we have, we have, I, what I think is, is, um, something that we have to look forward to. And this is kind of a sneak peek for, for those who are, uh, regular listeners to the podcast, but, um, I want to talk about repentance and I want to talk about confession mm. And the place that plays in our lives, because um, because clearly in the Old Testament there was this pattern, right, where the people of God would go off off base, and then a prophet or someone would come along and and show them the error of their ways. Then they would return to God, and then the pattern would repeat itself over and over again, right? Where there's this you know this continual kind of process. And I think for us, you know, we recognize that in Christ all of that cycle is done because God has done this for us. But what we miss is the cycle of coming back to God. Hmm. And I think that's something that um, I know that I'm looking at in my own life, but I think for all of us, the idea of repentance and confession has been a bit lost, I think, um, where we recognize that we're saved and we're free and all those kinds of things. But the act of repentance, the act of bringing these things um, to the Lord, recognizing the places where we've missed the mark, Hmm. um, is actually... uh, 
it's pretty powerful and an important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Hmm. I'm really excited to get there, Paul. Yeah, we will Uh, get there. I am excited for the days ahead. Um, Anything else you want to say uh, as we look back as, at kind of this introduction to Hosea? Um, any, anything else you think would be helpful as we carry it forward these next couple weeks even? Well, I would say to, you know, uh, first of all, I would say let's, let's not be um, afraid to approach books of the Bible that um, we may not know much about. I think that we should also not be afraid of looking in the Old Testament to understand a picture of who God is. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, clearly it, God is most clearly revealed in the person of Jesus. And so I would recommend for any new believer to, um, to, you know, get to know Jesus and you will get to know God. And I think that is absolutely, you know, important. I think for those of us in the church who've been, you know, connected for a long time, um, you know, sometimes our love gets a little bit, uh, cold or maybe our Mm -hmm. image of God gets a little fuzzy, and I would say that reading through the Old Testament, reminding ourselves of all of these, these images and the pictures and all the ways that God is represented helps us understand who he is in a, in a different way. And so I would encourage uh, all of us to, to take the time to go into scripture, to be someone who loves the word of God, to read the stories. And I think, I think I would also just add to that, that, you know, sometimes with our modern way of looking at things, you know, we can deconstruct uh, things pretty quickly and stories, yeah. and we can start to look at different nuances and say, well, what does that mean? And, you know, what are the conditions of, you know, where was Gomer at and what was her story and all that kind of stuff. But I think that there is a, there is a way of reading and allowing the words to, um, to uh, help us see better mm-hmm. and where we have questions to lean in, not to pull away and to, to just kind of, you know, let those questions wash over us. Why does this bother me so much? Why am I upset about the language in this passage or all of those things and allow those moments to be moments with God where you reflect, you bring it to him and allow him to transform your thoughts and your mind and ultimately your actions. Yeah, I love that. Don't be afraid to lean into these uh, yeah. hard places. And uh, if this makes you a little uncomfortable, good. See what you can learn in yeah. this relationship. See what how you can know God better. Well, thank you, Paul. Uh, Really looking forward to next week and we'll be back more with more Postscript.